0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to the fourth episode of season three of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I am your host, Kevin Brown. This is the podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Today, we're digging into the fourth track from the band's third album, Shadow of a Doubt, bracket, A Complex Kid. Uh, If you want to listen to the song before we get started, there's a link in the episode notes, so go check that out, and I'll meet you back here to dig into it. Shadow of a Doubt was a mainstay of the Heartbreaker set between 1979 and 1981, before taking a two-decade hiatus before being resurrected for the last DJ tour in 2002-2003, when it was played right before Won't Back Down. In conversations with Tom Petty, uh, Paul asks Tom if Mike's recollection of the song basically being written in the studio as a jam is accurate. And Tom says, as I remember it, I kind of have a picture of us doing that song, and I remember thinking it had some humorous lines in it. I think that's a great place to start talking about this song, actually. Um, I usually dive straight into the music, but let's switch it up this week, and we'll talk about the words first. To me, this is another good example of what I would guess was a a phrase or an idea that Tom had jotted down somewhere and then came back to. You know, we use the expression without a shadow of a doubt very commonly, um, and, and it means, you know, without question. But it's not an expression you ordinarily hear used inversely in this way. Tom goes back to some of the sentiments from the first couple of albums and has a female antagonist in the song who either isn't or may not be playing exactly straight with him. Lines like, I think she loves me, but she don't want to let on, or she likes to keep me guessing, uh, set things up perfectly in the first verse. The second verse paints his subject as not enjoying work and hating her boss, so it's possible that it's not just her romantic relationships uh, that she struggles to maintain, but also you know, professional relationships or casual relationships. After all, she's a complex kid. It's another interesting lyrical structure too, with not much musical distinction between verse and chorus, with either the verse being only two lines, or the chorus being only one. Uh, The song also contains the playful line, and when she's dreaming, sometimes she sings in French, but in the morning, she don't remember it. Tom highlights this to Paul Zolo in his book, and you could see it getting a good laugh from the band, you know, during the studio sessions. The two lines represent another feature of this song, in that they don't end each phrase with a perfect rhyme. For the most part, they employ neither assonance or consonance slant rhymes either, as we hear French rhymed with it, off with boss, and even fence with kid. So, those are made to fit by the way Tom enunciates the vowels to either flatten them or draw them out to get closer to a, you know, that standard rhyme uh, timing. This songwriting trick works well on this song as it allows the melody to follow a consistent pattern while having the syllabic structure move around it to make it more interesting. So, vocally, Tom is having fun here and really stabs at some of those syllables. Those two lines sings in French and don't remember it. He really attacks and puts a little humor into them just because of the way he delivers them. Otherwise, it's a fairly straightforward vocal from Tom and really consistent with his performances on the other faster tracks on side one of the album so far. The track really does feel like a live performance recorded off the floor, as it's sometimes called, with the main body of the song being recorded with the whole band in, you know, one or two takes, um, and then with overdubs and retakes being added later where necessary to either, you know, to either just sort of add a, a part in or to maybe just change something that wasn't played quite right the first time around. And we get a four count, and an audible four count to start the song, which really emphasizes that live feeling. During the intro for this, Stan plays a neat little bongo part. Now, I'm not sure if that would have been played this way during the recording or the way that they did end up playing it live later on, as it has more of a feel of being added in later. Um, listen carefully, too, to Stan's little fill into the first verse. It's a super cool little hat run onto the snare where he, he closes the hat. So you get one open and one sloppy or partially closed hat note before the snare and tom roll comes in. From here, Stan is sitting on the ride cymbal and keeping a steady beat, adding in some good off-beat breaks and ride bell hits leading into the chorus line. So when you listen to the lines, she's always been so hard to figure out and always been so hard to get around. Right at the end of each, you'll hear that break from the beat, which gives a, a nice musical transition into what we can call, you know, the one line chorus. In the previous two lines to that, we also hear the bongos coming in as Phil, which I'm pretty sure again would have been an overdub. Um, but I could be wrong on that, um, and I'd love to see um, an interview with Stan where he sort of where he talks about the song, if something like that exists. During the bridge, we hear those bongos again being mixed with a couple of decently rowdy little drum fills centered on that epic snare sound that, that pervades, you know, especially side one of this album. And the bridge is stretched from eight bars to ten, and Stan puts in some hi hat lifts before heading back into the main groove for the guitar solo. Into the third verse, we're hearing some additional percussion, which sounds like maracas maybe, um, and he's opening up that ride sound a little fuller to add more shimmer to that last verse, uh, and then build into the ending where he really starts wailing on that snare drum. Mike and Tom go back almost to a listen-to-her-heart kind of feel for the guitars in this one. They're big and jangly and multi-layered. The left channel's dialed into Mike's lead, um, with Tom's galloping rhythm part in that right channel. But I think there might be a third part in there too that's being dropped in at times, as you can hear sort of little textures and notes that don't sound like they quite belong to either. And that G flat E A riff is super cool, as it starts off sitting in a suspended position within that open A chord that the rhythm guitar is playing. And there's a really juicy little all um, time rock and roll lick during the chorus too. It's basically an E5 chord that's playing, and then the run-up takes in the third note to give it a kind of it's almost like a like a fast Domino swing feel to it. Um, the lead into the second verse is the same as the first, and then we get a little trading of lead between Mike and Tom, with some licks coming in either channel, before a deadly little bend fill from Mike over top of the line, hey, it's her boss. That's well worth listening out for. Check that one out. During the bridge, they do a, a subtle left turn into a more country-feeling vibe to my ear. It's tonally the same, but the rhythm's slightly different, and it's a bit more oak to its bones, if that makes any sense um in the solo mike picks up where he left off with even the losers pulling out those chuck berry bends again before shredding his way through the second four bars now the solo to my ear is mixed surprisingly low and i think you lose a little punch with that being the case it's also in the same sort of sonic space as those very airy cymbals that stands washing through the drums and the treble heavy rhythm section so i'd love to have heard that mixed higher so the solo could really shine through We get a few more nicely improvised little fills before heading into the big outro where we again get some huge honky-tonk string bends. Alrighty folks, it's time once again for some petty trivia. Last week I asked you, which album kept Damn the Torpedoes from hitting number one for nine straight weeks? The answer is Pink Floyd's epic rock opera, The Wall. The album sat atop the Billboard charts for 15 weeks, with Damn the Torpedoes occupying the number two slot for nine of those. The contrast between the two rock and roll albums could hardly be more stark. The Wall, a sprawling narrative detailing the mental collapse and existential crisis of its protagonist, Pink. Damn the Torpedoes, a cohesive collection of rock and roll with a hint of country to close out the album. So you have two of the all-time great albums occupying the two top spots on the chart at exactly the same time. Your question for today is this. Which composer, who provided the scores for Die Hard, Highlander, Lethal Weapon and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves also provided the orchestral arrangements on 1994's Wildflowers. Okay, back to the song. Ron Blair is busy in this song, really busy. On Even the Losers, Ron stayed out of the way for the most part, but on Complex Kid, he's ripping it up, matching Mike's little lead lick and then moving around the kick pattern and providing an, an all-out rock and roll riff during the always-been-so-hard-to-figure outlines. And during the Shadow of a Doubt line, Ron really elevates the song by going up a full two octaves above his root note to push that chorus line. The bridge sees some great slides and again that move to the upper octaves and he ends on a really high note that hardly even sounds like a bass. It's a great part from Ron, and one that I'd love to hear isolated one day. When I said off the top that Ron is busy, that might have sounded like I thought he was, you know, playing too much, or that I'm, I'm criticizing the the way he took the the part. But that definitely isn't the case. Again, you know, the chord progression is pretty steady in this song, and Stan's keeping time more than adding in any sort of movement around that bottom end. So having Ron provide a little pizzazz in that frequency space works really, really well. After three straight songs that really feature Benmont's keyboard parts front and center. He takes much more of a backseat in the mix on this one. He's still there, and you can hear a couple of quiet organ sweeps and then some piano fills during the end of the verses, but he's never really prominent in the mix in the first sort of half of the song. Most likely this is because those guitars are so trebly and jangly, you don't need a ton of extra noise in that range. Um, So you just get that subtle organ texture, mainly in the right channel as you come through and out of the chorus. We do hear him more clearly in the bridge with some tremolo and a slightly beefier organ sound coming through. And again, that builds in that last verse so the organ can be heard much more clearly. So it's almost like Jimmy Iovine's using the organ as something to provide a, a gradual crescendo into that rowdy ending and outro when you hear Benmont hammering on the piano too before the song ends with a really heavily reverbed glissando to finish. <laughs> Okay, folks, that's all for this week. Um, this song is a really healthy mix of old-fashioned rock and roll and country music to my ear. Some of those guitar licks have plenty of yeehaw to them, and when they're coupled with Ron's straight-up rock and roll bass line and the driving rhythm of the drums, it creates a wonderful blend of sensibilities that really work. I like the feel and casual nature of this song. I like the instrumentation and arrangement too. I'm just usually left feeling that the mix is not—it's not quite right, the balance isn't quite there like it is on everything else on this record. When you listen to live versions of the song... It always just feels a little crisper and a little less saturated in that sort of in those treble frequencies. And that's just a personal preference, of course, but I will have to dock it a couple of marks for that, as I think it stands out all the more coming on the back of three songs that were constructed perfectly in every way. So I'm going to give Shadow of a Doubt a 7 out of 10. I'll put links to a couple of live versions in the episode notes for you just to see if you agree with me. Um, I'll include uh, the version that was recorded in 1980 at the Hammersmith Odeon in London that was included on the deluxe version of Down the Torpedoes. Before I wrap things up, just a reminder that you can support humanitarian efforts uh, in Ukraine in many different ways, and I would urge you to do so if you have the means. I'll keep adding a a link to the Red Cross donation page in the episode notes for the foreseeable future, and at least until sanity is restored to the region, which hopefully is, is very, very soon. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. And of course, you can always find me on YouTube. So follow, like, subscribe as applicable. And again, please leave a review or a rating if you haven't done so already. Um, again, I always appreciate the reviews that you do leave. And I love communicating and interacting with everyone on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. So please keep talking to me. It's uh, one of the things that I enjoy most about this podcast. Um, as a reminder, of course, the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. And when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit the official YouTube channel first to try to find what you're looking for. You should also check out tompetty.com for official merchandise. Uh, don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook if you'd like to join the coolest fan base in the whole world. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say "I love you" to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy. And I'll be back with you next week to talk about the final track from side one of Damn the Torpedoes, Century City. Bye-bye.